Welcome to Governmentality, the podcast based in Aotearoa, New Zealand, where everything's political. We'll talk you through the opinions of old people and young people and help you to understand how all the buzz in the beehive affects you. Kia ora, everybody. Welcome back to Governmentality. My name is Holly. And I'm Zande. And today we're going to be talking about cost of living. Yes, we are. So we've sort of figured out that, like, we talk about cost of living a lot in interviews, but we haven't really done a deep dive in any party's policies. So but coincidentally, or very fortunately, all of the parties are starting to release all of their great cost of living policies, so we can go over them for you. And we figured we'll start with National, because they're currently polling to be the largest party, and we should start somewhere. And there has been a lot of media traction over this one, and I think that there's a lot of chat, and it often doesn't mean a lot for people like myself who don't understand economics that well, so I think it's useful to... I got you, Holly. <laughs> Thanks, Zandy. <laughs> I think it's useful to break it down a little bit and actually make all of the numbers make a little bit more sense. Yeah. So National has, like, one major cost of living pa- like policy, basically, which mm. is tax cuts. Yeah. So they're proposing to make something like, I think, between 14 and $16 billion in tax cuts that, like, over, the, over three years. Mm-hmm. So it would be like five, five and a half billion a year in tax cuts. Mm. And they say that this is going to put more money in everyday Kiwis' pockets. Which is true, like objectively speaking. So, but what we're going to do is we're going to go through what they're proposing and break it down for you. Blow yes. by blow. Yeah. So we're going to start with the income tax. Yeah, so the income tax reduction is literally exactly what it sounds like, right? So they're just lowering taxes on New Zealanders. That means that when you get your paycheck, when you look at your little payslip that your employer should be giving you, um, it'll, like, instead of, I don't know, saying 17.5%, it might go down a little bit. What Holly's trying to say is it means that you'll be giving less money away in taxes. You yeah, and then you're going to have taxes. more money in your but bank account to spend on expensive groceries per or rent. week. <laughs> or rent. <laughs> or whatever you your heart desires. Um, so this is like good, I guess, for the objective purpose that you have more money to spend, which is good in a cost of living crisis, right? Like if I have more money to pay my rent, that makes things a little bit easier for me. Um, I think that people's primary concern, or well, not people's primary concern, but students' and primary concern with this, is that it doesn't actually give us a lot of money. So National have a tax calculator on like their website. You can go in and you can put in how much you earn per year and you can kind of see um, like how much money you're going to save. So as a student, when I get like my student loan and then I also have money that I earn from working in the week, when I put in how much money that earns, the amount of tax I save on National's plan is like $4.33 per fortnight because I don't make That's a lot of a money. a huge amount of money. <laughs> but, like yeah. because I'm a student, but also just generally people who don't earn a lot of money are getting smaller tax cuts. Like obviously, yeah, it, like, yeah but like proportionally, if it's a percentage, you're going to take less money home. So $4.33 doesn't actually do that much for me. I think one of my friends described it as that's an that's an extra two Subway cookies per week. Oh, uh, when you're when you're selling it to me like that, when you're selling it to me like that, and I was like, I mean, yeah, like it's a it is it is an extra four dollars, and I can't deny them that. But I think that when you weigh that up with the way that they're costing this out, which we'll kind of go into later, it just isn't a lot, right? So I think and- that the criticism becomes. When you have people who are earning $100,000 per year and then they're taking back, like taking home up to an extra, like, I don't know, $50 to $100 per fortnight, that's a significant benefit to them. And, and like, that is a reasonable amount more that they can, you know, spend on groceries or whatever. So that really benefits people, but those people are probably not suffering that much or as much under the cost of living crisis um, as, as people who are earning lower wages. So 
the argument is that, that that benefit probably needs to be redistributed to the people who are suffering the most under the current system, which is people who don't earn a lot of money, um, like students and stuff like that. Like, to put it in perspective, according to National's own numbers, if you are on the minimum wage working full-time, you might get up to potentially $20 a fortnight. $20 a fortnight. So, that, so, so, like, so that's like, that's like maximum $10 per like week. Maximum $10 per week. And their numbers don't say that person's working 40 hours a week or 60 hours a week on minimum mm, wage. Right. Yeah. So obviously it's not great if you're a young person or like working like a low paying job. But also just like that won't and that like won't apply that. for students because students are not working forty hours per exactly. week because like they're studying, right? Yeah. Like, and like again, two dollars, it's gonna break the bank. Mm. And the other issue, I guess, is sort of one that hasn't come up in the media a lot. We sort of touched on it before, which is mm. that it's gonna keep up inflation. So I was talking about Holly about this earlier, and I know I've, I, I absolutely, I'm absolutely certain I've talked about inflation at some other point in this podcast. Oh, you definitely have. But um, basically the idea about inflation, for those of you who haven't listened to every episode, is <laughs> <laughs> that there's just more money in the economy than like there's supply, right? So like you have all this extra money floating around and stuff, prices increase, the suck all of this extra cash up. Yeah. Right? So that's the that's the conventional wisdom, and there's obviously critiques and stuff of that, and if, maybe we'll do an episode about inflation one day, but today's not that day. But that's why when we're trying to deal with inflation, we get the Reserve Bank to raise interest rates, mm. because that makes it more expensive to borrow, but it also means if you have a mortgage, you start paying more in like loan repayments every week, so you have less cash to spend. So for instance, because, inflation, like, because interest rates have been raised so high, the average mortgage payment in New Zealand has doubled mm. since you know, the start of inflation. Because you've got to try and suck that cash yeah, back out of the Because you're sucking that cash back out of the system so then prices will start to settle down because yeah. there's less cash around, right? Mm. So obviously the goal is to remove cash from the economy, which obviously sucks for people who are living in the economy, but <laughs> like, like me and you. But the idea, the conventional wisdom is that to deal with inflation, we need to take the money, take out, money out of the econo- yeah. economy somehow. But obviously a tax cut doesn't do that. A tax cut gives more money. To, mm. And it puts more money in the economy. And particularly, it gives more money to wealthy families, right? And wealthy families are the primary drivers of inflation because they've got this extra cash to burn all these extra essentials. Because, like, obviously, if you're working minimum wage, you can't afford to buy all these luxury items or, like, all these, these nice-to-haves. Mm. It's a lot of essentials. But what, when you're seeing inflation, you're seeing not just the essentials going up, but everything going up. And that's primarily being driven by higher income earners. So if you're giving more mm. higher income earners... But, but... Cash. Ju- just, as a, just as a devil's advocate point... Like, aren't people who have a lot of money more likely to, like, save that tax cut and then, like, invest it into, I don't know, like, stocks or something or just, like, keep it in their bank account to save for, I don't know, something nice they're going to buy in 10, 15 years' time for their retirement or something, you know, pop into their KiwiSaver because they can? I mean, potentially, but, like, by and large, New Zealanders are terrible at saving. Like, they just don't. Mm. Like, I think... And people can fact-check me on this one, but I do recall reading a news article, like, a couple of months ago, basically saying that, like, even people, like, uh, like 70% of people earning over 100K say they're living paycheck to paycheck. Mm, crazy. Which, to me, is wild, because I don't earn anywhere near that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just the idea, like, a lot of New Zealanders don't save, even though they're on the higher end of the income okay, spectrum. Fair so enough. by giving these tax cuts out, they're going to spend it, most likely. Okay. Yeah. So, arguably, National's flagship policy um, to deal with the cost of living crisis will make it worse for mm. a lot of people. Especially if you're not getting that much money from the tax cuts. Like yes. Poor people. If in- inflation keeps increasing and I'm only getting, like, if inflation increases past $4 per week and I'm only getting the $4 per week tax cut, I'm going to end up um, end up worse, right? Yeah, you will. Yeah. Okay. So that's sort of, like, the main income stuff. The other part that they're proposing is, is part of us, but, like, it's kind of separate. Like, it's 
It's like a tax mm. cut, but it's kind of not. Yeah. Is they want to inc- like adjust the tax brackets for inflation. So we've talked about tax brackets before. Basically, the higher the tax bracket you are, the more money you pay to the government. To the government, right? And they want to adjust those boundaries to match inflation. Basically, mm. being like, well, inflation's higher now, so you're having to like spend more money. So we're gonna we're gonna give you a tax cut, or we're gonna make you pay more taxes. Yeah, or, um, I think yeah. that's a pretty based idea. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, seems fine. It seems fine. Like, seems I, good. I guess the rationale is like when inflation's high, people demand higher wages, which then means they pay more tax, which is sort of weird. So like, I don't it, know. like it makes it makes intuitive sense. But it does also mean that the government has less spending power when during high inflation, which can also be a bad thing. Interesting. But, I'm not going to pretend I understand okay, that. Okay. But uh, <laughs> by, by and large, by and large, it's it's a pretty it's like a pretty reasonable policy and yeah. one that like like a lot of people support. Nice. So the pretty next. So that's the income tax stuff, right? So now moving on to like negative. It's, I'm going to call it landlord tax cut. It's it, it, the actual name is negative gearing, but I know nobody's going to get that. So I still don't understand <laughs> landlord tax cut. So let's talk about okay, it. Let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> so basically, in New Zealand law, under national, the original national government, like under like John Key, maybe <laughs> the, the OG national the OG. government well, I mean, was John Key. That, that, that's the only national <laughs> government I remember, right? Yeah, no, me too, actually. So, um, but yes, yeah. So under under John Key, I think it was John Key. It could have been before that. But I'm pretty sure it was him. Mm-hmm. They brought in this policy, basically saying that if you have a rental home, mm-hmm. you can use your mortgage payments and you can discount your mortgage payments against the amount of money you're paying in tax. So let's say I'm going to the bank and I'm paying forty, like I'm paying four hundred dollars a week in mortgage payments. I can discount some of that from how much I'm paying the government in tax. Mm. So that was the idea. So then it's easier to buy homes. Exactly. So it's e- or particularly it's easier to buy rental properties, right? Yeah. And but like, it applied to all homes. It applied, it? it applied to all homes, I think. And so the idea initially is that it's good for first-home buyers because it makes it easier for you to um, pay your mortgages because you pay less tax to the government. So you just, like, if you're paying mortgages, you basically get a bit of a tax cut to do so. Yeah. That's the idea behind it. But that also extended to rental properties. So that is people who could buy, like, houses as investments. Exactly. And when Labour came to power, in order to try and like cool down the housing market, because obviously the housing market was going crazy back then. It's still going crazy now, but less so. They brought in, they basically said, we are going to remove this policy. We're going to phase it out over time mm. for um, rental properties. Yeah. Because it turned out what's happened is that when you make it easier for landlords to buy rental properties, what will happen is, is that they, the will price of buy rent- they will buy rental properties. properties, but also the price of rental properties will go up. The price of properties will go up. In general. In general. And because the price of property is going up, you have higher house prices for people who want to buy their homes, but also you have higher rents because landlords now have higher mortgages because they've had to borrow more to pay for the house that they're buying. Mm. Right? So it turned out to actually hurt a lot of people and would be one of the reasons, not necessarily the contributing reason to the housing crisis, but definitely not help. Yeah. So in order to try and push more people into... Last, like into the home like housing market, just send her when she was when she was in power. She decided to get rid of this. She revoked it. She revoked it. National wants to bring it back. They want to phase it back out. So Labor was phasing it out. There, I think right now you can discount fifty percent of your mortgage payments mm. from tax. They want to phase it out to twenty five percent in twenty twenty five, and then completely gone by some point. National wants to bring it all the way back to where it was, mm. which is obviously going to raise house prices more and probably rents. Well. I was saying this to you before. Isn't the idea behind that, like, if you have somebody who wants to invest in property, will they not, 
look to like build more homes, which is good because that increases the supply, which is which is good for the housing crisis, right? Because we need more homes. Like we're like we there aren't enough homes, right? So if you can incentivize people to build those by letting them like do that cheaply, is that not a good thing? But like they're still not being able to do it cheaply because it just means that people can borrow more to buy homes. It, maybe it makes building a house a more profitable endeavor, but have you seen the price of houses recently? Well, like, like just like overall, more houses are good, right? Yeah, but I, I, I guess that's true. But I would like to mention that in the time that this policy was in place, the housing crisis only got worse. So it obviously didn't reach its intended goal. You have houses that are more expensive. You have mm. rents that are more expensive. Fair enough. Right, and when everyone's trying to outbid each other, and they can, they're going to go as, as high as they can. Mm. True. Right. I suppose that's true. So. Also, I, I listened to the finance debate about this last night. and Goodness me. I know. What, what can time I say? to I, be alive. I'm listening to this so you guys don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um, and Nicola Willis, the National Finance Party spokesperson, mm. and if National wins, the finance minister, she was asked point blank if it would increase house prices, and she avoided the question entirely. Did not answer. Did they're, not answer. they're really good at doing that they're recently. Really, they're really they're good really at doing that. They're really on top of avoiding slippery. the question. They're pretty slippery. And we'll go, in, we'll go into that a little bit later as well, actually. But um, yeah, so that's another major part of that tax package, and that's going to cost multiple billions of dollars. So, like, I mean, we all know how hard our landlords work, right? Don't they deserve a tax cut? Oh my gosh, the <laughs> that's amount pr- of terrible, that, neg- negligent Wellington landlords that exist. Yeah, but like that's pretty much the National Party's argument. But, mm. And I think a lot of young people see landlords and they don't think that they work as hard as like an, like hard enough to deserve that sort of tax cut. Yeah, but um, fair enough to be honest. We're going to kind of get into how they're paying for it right now, because like obviously these two packages they're costing a huge amount of money, like five and a half billion a year. Yeah, because if the government needs to, like, the government needs to pay for its activities somehow, right? So yeah. they need to keep like a good amount of income. So basically, whatever they're giving back out to people, they need to figure out how they're going to pay for it somehow. Exactly, because like, they need to keep their spending I mean, money. You can think of the government's expenditure like a like your own expenditure, right? Like if I. If, if I, I go and buy Zandy three coffees a week, I need to figure out how I'm going to afford that. Can you please buy me three coffees a week? Only <laughs> <laughs> if you're nice to me. I'll be very nice. Don't you worry. <laughs> okay, but so so how are National going to pay for it? Because they've 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 come out on the record and said that it's fully funded and they're not going to borrow to pay for the tax cuts. They've been they've gone on record. Very they adamant. Will not they will not. No borrow. More, more borrowing. borrowing. It's bad. Right. So how are they going to pay for it? Well, if they're not borrowing, you would hope that it fully pays for itself, right? You, you would you would hope so, okay. and that's an interesting that, point. <laughs> yeah. So the main, like, they, obviously there's several parts of this, the package. We're going to go through them one at a time. The first way they're going to do it is they're going to take a whole bunch of money out of the Climate Action Fund and Yay. put it into tax cuts because it's not like climate change is a big deal, right? But interestingly enough, Christopher Luxon in his campaign launch did make that one of his like top priorities was like committing to reaching carbon neutral by 2050. 2050. Yeah, but but like that's a goal that we have in place already. Yeah, that but, is. But like, he's just committed to like like I think because people think national are going to make that goal like unachievable or they're going to like do bad things for climate change. I think he's trying to be like no, like they, like I think they're just going to maintain a lot of current stuff. Yeah, except so they're going to that is on funding. his commitments. Yeah, he's removing <laughs> funding, but supposedly yeah. it's on his commitments list to maintain that. Yeah. It depends on whether or not you're of the, of the opinion that we should just maintain it or accelerate it, I guess. But exactly. that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as part of it, National is, trying to, like, is basically proposing taking a whole bunch of money out of the Climate Relief Fund. And if you listen to our Climate Change 
podcast, you'll know the Climate Relief Fund. They do a whole bunch of like stuff around like funding green energy, trying to like transition to a carbon neutral. That's where like if you want if you want a grant for research, that's where you go, right? They tr- they Is that to- also the same fund that like um, that? Gives money to like Hawke's Bay after cyclone relief, or is that a not the same thing? I think that's a different group. Oh, fair enough. I, I might just don't worry about me then. I, I don't quote me on that one. I think <laughs> that's different. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm hazy. I'm hazy there. But effectively, that's the fund that's funding a green transition, and Nash wants to remove a whole bunch of money yeah. from that in order to fund the tax cuts. Okay, but moving on to the next part, the, Nash wants to bring in more taxes in order to pay for it. Right, more taxes. And the main Crazy. one, the main, the centerpiece of this package is a foreign buyer tax package. So when Labour, when they came to power, banned foreign buyers from buying New Zealand houses because they said it's raising the cost of New Zealand housing. You have all these empty mm-hmm. houses and people just buying them so they can sell them on later. Yeah. Right, so they banned, they banned foreign buyers from buying houses. And National wants to unban foreign buyers from buying houses, but only for houses over $2 million. In addition, they must slap a 15% tax because, because on these they, houses. Because they view them as like luxury items, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, they... They, 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 they are luxury they items. They are luxury items. Like a house over $2 million is, is, is a yes. lot. I mean, maybe not in Auckland, but... In most places. most places, yeah. Yeah. So they want... Basically, what Nash wants to do is say, okay, to like foreign billionaires, you can buy New Zealand properties, but we're going to tax you 15% on mm. these properties that you buy. In, in addition to GST, so it would be closer to 30%. Yeah. And, right. like, the issue is not with foreign buyers not wanting to do that. Like, I, they probably do. New Zealand's quite, like, a, ooh, fancy, nice, in-demand country for foreigners. I don't know. They seem to like us a lot. They probably yeah. would, would buy houses, and they're probably not opposed to paying that tax. But the problem is, is that... Several. Several problems. So, before this foreign buyers ban came in, the most, like, most people who were overseas and buying foreign properties in New Zealand, like a significant portion, were Australians and um, Chinese people. So the issue with trying to implement a tax on these foreign buyers is that New Zealand has several international agreements that stop us from taxing foreign buyers on property in New Zealand. Yeah. Like legal international agreements, like that, prohi- agreements. that like prohibit us from doing that. So those international ex- agreements exist with, ooh, they exist with um, Singapore, Australia, China, China Japan, and I th- there's there's a fifth one, and it might be the states, but I might be wrong. But that's four of them for you. Yeah. And they also we also have deals with like the Trans Pacific Partnership, which is like Canada, Mexico. Oh, Mexico, Mexico was the other Mexico one. Zealand, Mexico like, was yeah, the other like one. Like a lot of the other Pacific countries that say that we can't do that. We can't oppose a tax that just affects foreign nationals. Yes. So there are. So, so then the question comes, if all of those people who were the ones buying New Zealand properties are not affected because they're not the ones paying the tax, then how? Who's who? who is paying the tax? Who is buying the properties and who is paying the tax? And therefore, how are you getting that money? One word, Russian oligarchs. Russian oligarchs, <laughs> get them but, in. No, like, but, like, <laughs> like, all jokes aside, though, Nationals basically saying that this foreign buyers tax is going to raise three quarters of a billion dollars every single year. Mm. Yet the people who bought these houses before the ban went into effect won't be affected by any tax because we can't legally do it. Yeah. And more importantly... It's, this is national claims we can. This is, this has been skirted for a long yeah. time by national in a lot of interviews, and only very recently and kind of vaguely, Nicola Willis basically said, "If we don't phrase it as a tax, then we can get out of these agreements." But also, the Chinese ambassador to New Zealand um, has already stated that he is, and he like 
in like as a representative of the Chinese government is significantly looking into this the legality of this national tax plan and- because Surprise, surprise, it's not that legal. <laughs> and this is very much a case of fuck around and find out because the consequences if New Zealand does this can be quite bad because basically New Zealand obviously has free trade agreements with China and like all these other countries that we've got these tax treaties. For context, with. China is New Zealand's biggest export partner and they drive most of our economy and if they if we didn't have them anymore, life would be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, so all these international trade agreements that New Zealand has have clauses that allow the other countries to leave them if New Zealand is in breach. And one of the easiest way to be in breach is by imposing a tax that only affects foreign nationals. Yes. So what that would mean is that China has legal justification to remove itself from every trade agreement it has with us. Which is quite a few of them. Which is too many bad things to list off on this podcast. What could yeah. happen if that happens? <laughs> effectively, it's a fuck around and find out. Anyway, majorly. but okay. So that's like yeah. worst case scenario. That's worst case scenario. The best case scenario, well... Maybe not, maybe not the best case scenario, but like the most likely scenario is that like you just can't actually impose this tax on foreign nationals. So therefore, you kind of just open your housing market up to the billionaires who then just buy a bunch of houses tax free, and then that pushes. Like I think that the thing to consider about the housing market is it isn't like a binary of luxury and like non-luxury properties, right? Like it all exists on a spectrum. And Graham Robinson was talking about this the other day, and like I think he phrased it well when he said, when you poke one end, the other end will push out. And if you poke one, the other end, the other one will push out, right? So, like, whatever you do on each end of the housing spectrum will affect people no matter what. So even if, even if it is just on luxury houses, when you're driving up the value of property in general because there's massive demand, it's going to have massive knock-on effects all the way down the line, yeah. even to first-home buyers, even though they're not competing for the same type of product. Well, I mean, think about it logically, right? If I'm if I'm like a rich guy and I'm trying to buy a two million dollar home, mm. but now because the two million dollar threshold is is passed and all these foreign buyers are competing with me, I can't afford to do that anymore. I'm going to go buy a house that was previously worth six one point six million, but because I've got all this extra cash to burn, I can afford to outbid anyone, which then raises the value, like yeah. the price of that and house. so and forth, so forth, so forth. That's what, that's what Holly was trying to get at. And okay, but let's just assume, for instance, that nationals nationals right, they can impose this tax, right? Turns out there's another bigger issue with it, and that's they've significantly overestimated the revenues they will get from it. Mm. So National, it should be noted, hasn't released their numbers, their modelling, or their advice on this matter. They've been, they've been asked about it multiple times, and they've said, we won't, which obviously should be ringing some alarm bells, right? Yeah. Because you're talking about a major tax, like tax, like new tax, and you're not revealing any numbers about it. Also, sorry, <laughs> this happened, I saw this like literally just before, there were three like independent like economists who just like wanted to do it so they ran like three different types of modeling and then basically were like here's all the reasons it doesn't add up and Nicola Willis just went on air and was like I think they're wrong <laughs> yeah it should be not yeah. so, and like, then was like it's the Labour Party trying to get at us and these are just like independent economists yeah, like, it's, it's, I was who are right wingers like self admitted well no it was free economists from across the political spectrum. So you have a guy who's like oh, a okay. neo neoconservative, like he's a massive critic of the Labour Party because he's like they're spending too much money, they're like taxing too much, all that sort of stuff, right? You have like a like a nice little centrist economist, and you have another like very left wing economist, and all three of them independently came to the same conclusion <laughs> that at best nationalist tax cuts are going to fall four hundred million dollars short of their target. Oof, that's and a lot of millions. From what people can tell, the reason why this is is because nationals based their house, their, their, their tax calculations on some interesting assumptions. Because when the ban went into effect, 
there was a lot of publicity that the ban was going to happen. Oh, this is yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so a lot of like overseas buyers who wanted to buy New Zealand property started like bought it like right before the deadline. So you have this big like surge of foreign buyers right before the ban went yeah. into effect. And nationals gone right before the ban and said, "How many houses were sold? Oh, that's how many. Cool. We're going to assume based on and those then figures. That's the rational and number. that's the ration and that, from that number you can." Then say, oh, we'll get a three quarters of a billion dollars every year. The issue is that was a one-off situation, and yeah. that isn't the status quo. Yeah. So it's... I mean, like, unless, like, unless potentially, when you suddenly remove that ban, there is a massive influx of people wanting to buy property in New Zealand. That is a reasonable. But I mean, even even idea. then, though, like, you're expecting this to bring in three quarters of a billion dollars, not just one year, but every year. Yeah, every year that isn't going to work. For the first right. year, that probably. For the, yeah, for the first year, for the first year, sure, there'll be a giant demand, right? Because you've always pent up demand, but. Are you assuming that after year two, after year three, after year five? I don't think so. Yeah. Right. And like nationals made some interesting assumptions on the numbers saying that the tax intake from this will go up every year, which seems dodgy. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I'm not an economist, but something's, something's, something's a little, something's something's a little askew here. So, basically, what this means is that nationals going to have to find some other way. To pay for to it. To pay for it. Five, oh, how much? How many billions? Four hundred. So four hundred million dollars. Four hundred million dollars. They're going to have to figure out. Figure out how to. Last how to time, get it. last time, National had a budget hole like this. They raised GST. They might have to do that again. Oh, the people wouldn't be happy about that one. People weren't happy last time either. But it could also lead to job cuts, and that's what that's the other part we're going to talk about here. So, as another part of their costings, mm. National said they're going to cut six million, six hundred million dollars. Of government spending every year. Yeah. Right. Which they say is, I think it's a 6% cut in government spending. Okay, yeah. Right, which is quite big, especially since Labor's already announced a 2% cut. So it's really an 8% cut overall. Oh, so, oh, so they're going to announce a further, yeah. It's gotcha. a further 6% cut to pay gotcha, for it. So gotcha. Basically, they want to save $600 million a year, and they're going to yeah. do it by cutting 6% of government spending. Mm-hmm. But, how do I put this? They've said that they don't want to touch frontline services. So they don't want to touch firefighters. They don't. They don't want to touch like nurses. Nurses. They don't touch police officers. They don't want to touch hospitals. All that sort of stuff. So that leaves them only with backroom staff. But the thing is, is that we spend most. The government spends most of its money on frontline workers, right? Because obviously that's where you want the money to go. So when you take these six percent cuts, and you say we're going to ignore frontline workers, what it means, according to um, Craig Rennie, who's an economist for the New Zealand Council of Trade Unions. It means 30% cuts in backroom staff. 30%. Ooh. Right. And Nicola Wilson, when she's been asked about this in the past, has basically been all about, oh, no, guys, don't worry about it. It's just like leaving dues. It's $600 million a year. That's more than leaving dues. Yeah, leaving dues didn't, like, I don't think they cost that much. Yeah. They, <clears throat> even if we're, like, let's be conservative and say leaving dues costs like $100 million, right? Yeah. A year. Okay, maybe. Maybe, this will, maybe you can get rid of $100 million easy. That still leaves half a billion dollars a year in spending, right? The average public servant in Wellington makes like $90,000. Mm. Let's be $100,000 for the easy numbers, right? Mm. So you know how many people you need to fire who make $100,000 to save half a billion dollars a year? I don't know. I'm not good at maths. Do it you for need me. to fire 5,000 workers. Ooh, that's a lot of workers. That's a lot of workers. Obviously, that's not good for Wellington because most of those workers will be in Wellington. And... Um, there's this idea called the multiplier effect mm. in the spending, which is that when the government pays its workers, like government spending basically um, multiplies. So like every dollar the government spends translates to like three or four dollars in the economy. 
mm-hmm. you can think about it in Wellington, right? Because so many people work for the government that like they all have their jobs, and because they've got their nice jobs, they can go down to the cafe, spend some money, to right? A little office, and we buy ourselves a nice little lunch, a little coffee, a nice little treat to treat ourselves at the end of a long work day, and then afterwards we go out for drinks with our team members, exactly, and go to I don't know. And obviously, all of that spending, the old Bailey, <laughs> all, of, all of that spending though means that like people, like other companies, can afford to hire new staff and do all that sort of stuff. Indeed. So when you fire five thousand government workers, what that translates to is. A lot more Wellingtonians losing their jobs in five thousand. Yeah. Right. But also remember that Nationals foreign tax buy thing doesn't work, right? Which means they're gonna to have to find another half a billion dollars somewhere. Then which you, could mean they have to fire ten thousand workers. Oh yeah. Which is a lot. That right? becomes a lot worse. It becomes a lot worse. And that basically puts you Wellington into a deep recession. Like, if you think about how many government employees we have yeah. and how dependent on them we are. Like, Every second building on Lambton Quay on the terrace is, like, a government office. Yeah, and if you talk, <laughs> if you talk to a lot of, like, shopkeepers around town, they'll say, like, since COVID they've been suffering because government employees haven't all come back. A lot, of, a lot of them are still working from home. Yeah. How do you think they're going to feel when a lot of their cl- current people who are in town are no longer working for the government? Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't work super well. It doesn't work super well, and it's also not great for us as students because it means we'd be competing against people who have long work experience. Yeah, yeah, jobs, and like right? that's it's like un, like massive unemployment is just like bad for your people, right? Yeah. Because people can't afford that, and then you just end up paying more like welfare and things to people who like cannot have jobs, and that will go to welfare. It isn't just going to like stay in like people who just like take a couple years sabbatical or whatever, because then because those people who lose their job in public servants go and look for a job, maybe down a peg because they actually just can't get anything at the same level because there are too many other people looking for it. And that, yeah, like, as you say, it knocks down and then you're suddenly competing with somebody who has more work experience and you go and bump down so then I'm back working at my hospital job, sad face. And then the person who otherwise would have that job now doesn't have a job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Terrible. And also along the way, it means your wages go down because there's four people competing for the same role and yeah. they're all willing to take whatever they'll pay them. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really quite a negative thing. And... um. Damn, I had this great line of reasoning there. Oh. oh, yeah. Basically, National's been quite disingenuous about this as well. They've been asked about it. They've sort of denied it's going to happen. They've said, oh, we won't really fire anyone. Like, people aren't going to lose their jobs. It's not how it works. It's exactly how it works. Like, it, Nicola Willis has gone on the record saying that they're going to have the tax cuts done and paid for by Christmas if they're elected from mm. October to December. That's two months. That's two months. Well... Christmas is going to be a sad one, team. Christmas is going to be a sad one. But, like, <laughs> there's no way that they can possibly make the savings they're claiming to without mass firings in a very short period of time. Mm. And people aren't talking about it as much as they should, genuinely. Yeah. I mean, we saw we saw Chris Luxon go on the, like, Jack Tame interview, and he oh, kind if you of... If you haven't seen that, you should watch you, it. It is... He, he it cracked. Does, it's, not, it's not good. It's, <laughs> it's not good. He practiced for the interview, did you know? Did he? Yeah. Good on him. Stand in front of the little mirror. Say your little speech to yourself. That's what I do when I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. But yeah, basically, it, 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 yeah, Jack Tame pressed Christopher Lux on how he was going to pay for it, and there really weren't a lot of answers to be had, which I think is concerning people quite a lot. And Jack Tame pressed Nicole Willis for answers during the finance debate. And, and she also She also couldn't cracked. answer. Even David Seymour wouldn't say that the numbers added up. Oh, really? Really. He, he didn't say the numbers David didn't Seymour's, add up. He just avoided the question. David Seymour's in his own little world. Yeah. But, like, I mean, because obviously at the finance debate, you have James Shaw, um, David Seymour, Nicola Willis, and Grant Robertson. And on that stage, the only person who said the numbers added up was Nicola Willis. Even the host didn't believe her. Oh, that's <laughs> rough. That's tough stuff. So, yeah, basically, 
Nationals refused to release their numbers for any of this, and they've just said it will pay for itself. And people, at, at first, were taking it at face value. I think, I think the media doesn't quite get numbers as much. Right? Like a lot of people are scared I don't of numbers. Get numbers. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people are scared of numbers, right? So you sort of take what the National Party said on face value, but now people are sort of saying, well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's not that good. And but yeah, so I mean, like on the surface, giving you a tax cut seems pretty legit. Yeah, I mean, and if you don't it's care, nice. if you don't care how it's being paid for, beautiful. Beautiful. It's wonderful. An extra four dollars a week definitely doesn't hurt me. I'm not mad about it. But then once you try and understand what else is sacrificed in order to give you that four dollars a week. It's quite a bit. The way up is not really worth however much they're giving students. Maximum maximum like twenty dollars a fortnight. Yes. It's uh it's a cost benefit analysis type of situation, I guess. Um and the costs are really costing and the benefits aren't really benefiting. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see, we'll won't we? We'll have to wait we? and see. So, yeah, um, this is the start of our new series, but we're going for all the cost of living stuff. We no, will. We, we will. will. We'll we will. do um, Labour next week because they've released a series of little bits and pieces policy um, on cost of living and stuff like that. Um, and we and might go to the Greens because I think they've got a lot of stuff the out The Greens now. have got a bunch of stuff out. Um, and then we'll kind of, yeah, look at different parties as they release stuff moving forward. Yeah. But we'll try and keep these as little... Uh, election updates because often there's so much going on do let us do let us know if we're a bit too he- strong on the numbers but tell us what you want to hear about tell us what you want to hear about what policies do you not understand any of them any of them so real but anyways thank you for listening guys we'll see yeah. you next as week as always have fun enjoy thankful listening.